It's a great time of year as we think about um, some of the holidays that we're in the middle of. Thanksgiving, trust you had a good time this week in Thanksgiving. We were at um, Sola and John's for Thanksgiving and uh, John uh, had every intention of being here Sunday because he wants to get going on this Ecclesiastes study, but he was feeling weak and he said, I'll let you know tomorrow uh, if I'm going to need somebody to speak and uh, he called me the next day and uh, said that he needed me to do that. And I asked him if he preached on Thanksgiving last week, and he said, not really necessarily. He spoke on Romans 8, 28, I understand, and he mentioned Thanksgiving uh, in that, but he said it would be fully appropriate to uh, talk about Thanksgiving this morning as well, and that's what I uh, had decided to do after talking uh, with John. This morning, I want you to just imagine something with me for a moment and what I'm about to describe is, is not going to happen, but it may happen at some point uh, in the future. But I want you to think about how you would respond if it did happen. Imagine that in your church budget that the elders were proposing to add a new staff position. Now, I don't know that they're doing that. I don't know anything of what your elders are doing. John's my brother-in-law. He doesn't tell me uh, any of that stuff. I work with Bill. Bill doesn't tell me any of that stuff. But just imagine with me that that's something that they were going to add uh, to the church budget. What kind of assignments would they give to a person if they were going to add someone to the staff? What needs would they see around them? What needs do you see around you in this congregation and in your community or in our country or even in our world where, we, where you would actually hire someone to help make sure those needs were being met? Now, I think that if we went around the room this morning and asked different folks to answer that question, there would probably be various Uh, answers to that question all over the chart. And the reason that's so important, because if we were to think that through, it would reveal to us a little bit about what your priorities would be, what your priorities in ministry would be, what ministry would look like if we could add various staff for various reasons here at Alfred Allman Bible Church. And it would reveal a lot about you and what your priorities would be. I think you would agree with me, though, that the answers would not be the same, but the list may get long and varied as we went through the room. Now, to complicate it just a little bit further, let me say for the moment that finances were not an issue and that we thought staff members would be the best way to address an issue, either by them actually doing the work, or probably uh, more so by that person equipping others to do the work of the ministry. But let's just say that we were dreaming and asked you to make a list as long as you would like. Talk about the needs that are around you. Talk about appropriate titles, that this person would be minister of this or, or minister of that. Now, do you have that list a little bit in your mind this morning about what you would choose that person to be or to be doing? 
Now, let me ask you a question this morning. How far down the list would it come where you would have said, we need a minister of thanksgiving? In other words, would you see the issue in your congregation being filled with people who are growing in thanksgiving as being so important that it would merit an individual or a group of people that would be focused on thanksgiving and that would be a part of their job description. Was that even on your list? Now you might say, well, Dathan, you're being silly. No group of God's people would ever have an individual whose job description included thanksgiving. That's an important issue, yes, but it's not that important that we would hire someone that that's particularly what they would be doing. Oh, really? This morning, I'd like us to look at a passage of Scripture where that was specifically a person's job description. The group of people had been leading in thanksgiving, and that was specifically what was asked of them to do at a particular time in history. And I'd like you to see this morning with me how that job was assigned and what the content of their thanksgiving was to be. And then amazingly, I'd like us to look at how that job has really been reassigned in our day. And surprisingly, I hope we'll be a little challenged by that to see who that job has been assigned to. And with those thoughts in mind, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to First Chronicles chapter 16. 1 Chronicles chapter 16, if you're new to studying the Bible, 1 Chronicles is one of the historical books in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and then you have 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles, all right? 1 Chronicles chapter 16. And today, when I want to talk about it, in the top of your notes, if you have them there from the bulletin, I want to talk about developing a disciplined approach to Thanksgiving. Developing a disciplined approach to Thanksgiving. Now, some of you might be saying this morning, well, Dathan, do we really have to work? Do we really have to work at Thanksgiving? Shouldn't that be just something that comes naturally, that comes automatically, that simply flows from a spontaneous, thankful heart? Well, in an ideal world, I would say yes. But in a sin-cursed world, I would say this is something we need to work on. This is something that we can do better at. Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us that our hearts are deceitfully wicked and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And so even after coming to Christ, I think we still wrestle with the issues of the heart that hinder us from spontaneous thanksgiving. And it does require effort, I think, to be growing in thanksgiving, and it does require work, and that does require our attention and our focus. Now, to emphasize that fact, let's study a time in history where God's people were leading in thanksgiving and where that was actually a part of their job description. 
Look with me at First Chronicles chapter 16, verses 1 through 3 to begin with. So they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Then he distributed to everyone of Israel, both man and woman, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. It's interesting that food here is associated with this Thanksgiving psalm that is about to be said and sung. And I want to stop before we go any further and look at the context here, the historical context, before we actually read what happens here. David is now the king of Israel. Saul had already died, and David is consolidating a nation that had been strongly divided. There were all kinds of problems at the end of Saul's life. We know that. David is now king, and he is taking charge and trying to consolidate a very divided nation. And one of the things that he does right here in these first few verses is that he brings the Ark of the Covenant to the capital city of Jerusalem. And the Ark of the Covenant was the most important piece of furniture in the Old Testament worship system. And if you want to study more about that, you have to go back to Exodus chapter 25. And it tells us how the Ark was to be built, what it was to contain inside the Ark, and how they were to be very careful with how they handled the Ark. For our purposes today, we just need to understand that the Ark of the Covenant symbolized God's special presence with his people. And David, taking the time to bring it to Jerusalem, showed how much and how important it was that he considered worship to be in the lives of the people that he was about to lead. He's bringing the ark right to the capital city of Jerusalem. What I want us to see this morning is how the topic of thanksgiving fits into all of this. And I want you to follow along as I read from verses 4 down through verse 36. 4 through 7 talks a little bit about how he starts this. And then from verse 8 all the way down to 36 is actually the psalm of thanksgiving that David gives to these people he's assigned with a job description of thanksgiving. Look at it with me. Starting at verse 4. And he appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord, the ark of the Lord, to commemorate, to thank, and to praise the Lord God of Israel, Asaph the chief, and next to him Zechariah, then Jeriel, then Shariamoth, then Jehiel, then Matitai, Eliab, Benaiah, and Obed Odom, Joel. Geel with strange instruments and harps, but Asaph made music with cymbals. Benaiah and Jehaziel, the priests regularly blew the trumpets before the Ark of the Covenant of God. Now, those two verses were the most stressful thing in this study. <laughs> because I said, I got to read those words somehow. And they were all perfect. You see what stresses me. 
All right, so let's move on. On that day, David first delivered this psalm into the hand of Asaph and to his brethren to thank the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing psalms of him. Talk of all his wondrous works. Glorify his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face forevermore, forevermore. Remember his marvelous works, which he has done, his wonders and his judgments of his mouth. O seed of Israel, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. Sounds like what we just sung, doesn't it? His judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenants forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant which he made with Abraham. His oath with Isaac. And confirmed it to Jacob for a statute to Israel for an everlasting covenant. Saying to you I will give the land of Canaan as the allotment of your inheritance. When you were few in number, indeed very few and strangers in it. When they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, he permitted no man to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sakes, saying, do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. Sing to the Lord all the earth, proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is also to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and gladness are his his place. Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord glory, do his name. Bring an offering and come before him. O worship the Lord in beauty of holiness, tremble before him all the earth. The world also is firmly established, it shall not be moved. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and all its fullness, let the field rejoice and all that is in it. Let the trees of the woods shall rejoice before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And say, save us, O God, of our salvation. Gather us together and deliver us from the Gentiles to give thanks to your holy name, to triumph in your praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And all the people said, Amen, and praised the Lord. I used to think preachers just to say that. It was like a a good phrase. And all the people said, it came from here. After a Thanksgiving song, after a Thanksgiving psalm, and all the people said, Amen. And it pleased the Lord. This morning I'd like to do with the rest of the time that we have here is talk about the job of Thanksgiving. I'd like to talk about the context of Thanksgiving and I'd like to talk about the reassignment 
of that job. First of all, the job of thanksgiving, if you're following in your notes there. One of the obvious points in the text here is that King David thought that the issue of thanksgiving was so important that he actually assigned a group of people to lead the nation in such an activity. It was a part of their job description. I love the way the NASB talks about in verse 7, then on that day, David first assigned Asaph and his relatives to give thanks to the Lord. That was his assignment. That was his job. Now, that's an explanatory verse here in the text who, as we think about the people of God, and later as they read this, they would read the psalm and say, you know what, this psalm of thanksgiving started right here. It started for this purpose. And when David was trying to establish the people of God and unify the people of God, he gave a group of people the specific task of leading people in thanksgiving to the Lord. I think this is one of those one of those reasons why perhaps David is spoken of as a man after God's own heart. David sinned. And David's sin at times was grievous. But David was a man that thanked the Lord and was thankful for him and he wanted everybody around him to be thankful to the Lord as well. I think it speaks volume about King David. And what his heart's desire is. Now, as we think about this this morning, there are some implications that come out of this as we think about what's happening here in this job description. And one of them is this. Thanksgiving doesn't come naturally. Would you agree with me on that? Thanksgiving does not come naturally. I was at a Thanksgiving praise service on, on Wednesday night up in Avoca, going there to Avoca Baptist, and some of you know the youth guy there, Brandon, and, and the pastor there, some great guys. And on that Thanksgiving praise service, Brandon stands up and he says, you know what, I, I've got to admit something to you that Thanksgiving doesn't come naturally to me. And I appreciated his transparency there. Because I don't think that it does come naturally for us. If it came naturally, David would not have assigned someone to it here, would he? And I think too often our hearts many times are selfish. Is it true? I think there are times that we're prone to recognize what we did more so than we recognize what somebody else did. I sent an email to Lydia a couple weeks ago, just said, Lydia, I'm, I'm proud of you, proud of what you're doing in college, and, and just want to let you know we're proud of you. I'm glad you're doing such a great job. Now, I don't know how she's doing. She could be failing everything. I don't know. <laughs> well, Micah sees that down in Georgia, like I'm, I'm you know, saying I'm proud of you and the work you're doing. He says, for what? He says, what did she do? What are you so proud of her about? Did she accomplish something? I said, Mike, just cool it, you know? But we're real. We have this tendency to see how well we're doing and not so much how well somebody else is doing and maybe why you're the way you are because of somebody else that did something for you. Is that true? 
And too often we're quick to focus on what somebody did wrong rather than what somebody is doing right. And too often we're quick to focus on what we don't have more so on the things that we do have. Is that true? And I hope when we come to this topic here this morning of thanksgiving that we come with the kind of humility and the kind of honesty and the openness that would cause us to conclude that, hey, we probably could use some help here. Right? So it doesn't come naturally. Second implication from what we read here is that thanksgiving is something that is worthy of work. Thanksgiving is something that is worthy of our work. And one of the questions that we have to ask ourselves this morning is, are we working at being thankful? Are you trying to be more disciplined at being thankful to God and thankful to others? And as you think about last week or the average week, With all the energy that was expended, how much of our energy was expended on Thanksgiving? Last week was Thanksgiving week. It should have been a better week for us, right? It should have been a pretty good week. We focused on Thanksgiving last week. How do we do at that? I think a third implication of this is that with the right amount of work, Thanksgiving can become more natural. Isn't that good news? With the right amount of work, Thanksgiving can become more natural to us. God has built within us the capacity to develop habits. And it's amazing how powerful that ability is. So much so of what we think and say is is basically governed by the habits that we've formed through life. And some of that can be good habits, some of that can be bad habits. But the beauty of it is, with regards to this topic of thanksgiving, that the more you work at being disciplined at thanksgiving, the easier it becomes. It can actually revolutionize your life. Someone could look at you a year from now and say, what happened to that person? Because they were always so negative. They were also so critical and cynical about everything. And all of a sudden, the words of thanksgiving are flowing out of their mouth. It's probably why Micah texts me back, what happened to dad? He's thanking, you know, what happened to dad? He's, he's encouraging Lydia in college. This kind of comes back to me a little bit. Like, where did that come from? You might be here this morning and say, you know, I really struggle with being critical. You know, I I really struggle with with being negative. I really struggle with with being bitter at times. I really struggle with discouragement. and, And I really struggle with depression. And I really struggle at times with being mean and harsh. And probably most of us could find ourselves somewhere in that description. But it's exciting to know that genuine change can occur. That a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, and five years from now, we could really become thankful people coming from the heart. That's great about what God can do in us, isn't it? 
and how he can transform us and how he can change us into his likeness. By the way, that happened in the lives of at least some of the people here in the nation of Israel. And you say, well, how do you know that? If you have a study Bible that has some sort of cross-referencing system in this text, you'll see that parts of this psalm that David handed to Asaph and these people who were assigned to do thanksgiving, parts of this psalm of thanksgiving shows up in other places of the Bible, which is actually quoted by other people. That's how much it became a part of them. That they spoke of it again in other places and they memorized it and they quoted this text in certain places. And that thought ought to give us hope today that because even though Thanksgiving does take work, it does take effort, it does require some discipline, the good news is the more we put in it to today, the easier and the more habitual it will become tomorrow. Now let's move on from the job of thanksgiving, secondly, to the content of thanksgiving. Now obviously, there's about 28 verses here just in this psalm of thanksgiving. We are not doing a word-by-word study here. But I want to draw out a couple themes from this psalm. What was the content of what David wanted these people to say? What David wanted these people to be singing? If you were here this morning and say, I do want to work on disciplining this area of my life, the next question would be, from these verses that we're learning about, what kind of thanksgiving do we give and what kind of thanksgiving pleases the Lord? One of the themes that comes out, first of all, is it's centered on God's name. It's centered on God's name. And that concept was emphasized several times in the text. Verse 8 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name. Verse 10 says, Glory in his holy what? Name. Verse 29, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Verse 35 said, Then say, Save us, O God of our salvation, and gather us and deliver us from the nations to give thanks to his Holy what? Name. Now, an important question is when we think about this here, when the Bible talks about God's name, what is being emphasized? Well, typically we start talking about his character when we start talking about his name. We start talking about who God is. You know, study of the names of God. John's been here a long time, and I'm sure at some point in the 30-odd years or however long John has been here, he's talked to you about the names of God. Is that true? At least in a study or at least when he's going through text, he'll say, this is God's name and this is what it means. It's another basic theme of another great psalm, Psalm 100 which is what many of us have have memorized through the years, what make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. Serve the Lord with what? Gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. 
We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And verse 4 goes into enter into his gates with what? With thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and what? Bless his name. His name. Think about the names of God. Elohim, the God of majesty and power. Jehovah or Yahweh, the God who makes covenants and keeps them. Adonai, our rightful Lord and Master. Elion, the Most High God. El Olam, the Everlasting God. El Shaddai, the Almighty God. Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. Jehovah Shema, the God who is there. And so as he goes through this psalm, he emphasizes the focus as we praise the Lord, we praise him for his holy name. Our God is so great, isn't he? Each of those names and are used in Scripture to help us understand the character of God. And the principle is this. The more we understand His character, the more we'll be thankful to Him. And the more we're thankful, the more thankful we choose to be, the more glory we give to His name. Another way you could say this is one of the reasons we ought to be growing in this discipline of thanksgiving is because God's name is at stake. Ever think about that when we're complaining? When we're critical? When we can't see anything good that's going on? Isn't it God's name that's at stake? Who is your God that can't do anything for you? What else falls under the heading of the content here in this, in this text? First of all, it focuses on his name, but secondly, it recognizes, recognizes and remembers his deeds. You see that in the text, verse 8, make known his deeds. Verse 12, remember his wonderful deeds. Now, what will you say to a person who might respond with, well... Maybe that's why I'm not so thankful, because God really hasn't done that much for me. Well, you say there's a person who hasn't recognized and failed to recognize all that God has done. Amen? What about the cross? (laughs) What about his blood? What about his dying for you on the cross of Calvary? Do you realize that that's all you ever had of Jesus Christ? It's enough for you to be thankful for the rest of your life. It's enough. And things do go bad. Difficulties comes. One of the things we did on our Thanksgiving praise service, he took some time and says, I want you to think about some bad things that that happened this year that you can be thankful for. Well, that was awesome. That was awesome. 
Because all things, as John probably talked about last week, all things do work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. I can remember my brother counseling a friend one time who was in the ministry and he came to him and he shared with him some bad things that were happening to him. And in the midst of the conversation, he says, he says, Drew, my, my wife just left me for another woman. Now, that's a bad day. That's a difficult thing. And Drew said to him right then and there, is God going to be enough? He says, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. God is good. Through the good times and the bad, my God is still on the throne. And he is still God alone. True? It's always amazed me to have conversations with people that, that say things like, well, I just don't think it's fair. I just don't think God is being fair with me. The fact that you and I are breathing is not only a demonstration of his fairness, it's a demonstration of his grace. Because if God is holy... And he is. And if you and I are sinful, and we are, and if the wages of sin is death, and it is, then what would fair be? You see, we we need a whole lot more than fair. I don't want God to be fair with me. I want God to be gracious with me. I want God to be merciful to me. I don't want him to be fair to me because fair is eternity in hell. Lamentation says, The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Amen? God is faithful. He's merciful. Choir at Hillside, we used to sing this song in the choir, My Redeemer Redeemer is faithful and true. Everything he has said, he will do. And every morning his mercies are new, because my Redeemer is faithful and true. If all he did was die for me, I have enough. I have enough. My friend, this morning, let me pause and ask you, has there been a definite time in your life where where you've admitted your sin? Where you've come to the realization that I have fallen short before, before a holy God. I missed the target. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Have you bowed the knee? in repentance to our Lord. He's ready to forgive you. He's ready to change your life. He can turn you into a bitter person, into a thankful, praising Christian and follower of Christ. Amen? Many here have have done that. It's evidenced. It's evidenced by we worship, and as we sing, I can, I can see it in you. I can feel it.
coming from you as you worship. Another thing here that we see, it's filled with rejoicing. This content of this psalm is filled with rejoicing. Verse 10, let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Verse 31, let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Verse 33, and then the trees of the forest will sing before the Lord. You can imagine the tabernacle as these people of David had been assigned the task of leading in thanksgiving as they encouraged God's people to put forth a heart of thanksgiving in their hearts and a word of thanksgiving from their lips. What would that look like? What would that sound like in the people of Israel? There would be joy, there would be happiness, which always results when I come to a better understanding of what is real and what is true and what is right, because that's what David is giving them. This is the real God. This is the true God. This is everything that he's done for us. How can we do less than worship him? Than to be thankful under him. Thanksgiving. <clears throat> we ate at Sola's house. There's, there's always a little bit of stress that comes with Thanksgiving meal. Mine started at 4.30 in the morning when my son was in my face saying, Dad, we got to get down to Joe's because we're hunting. He was fully dressed. Because we had to be at Joe's at, at 5.30. Get up in the woods and climb in a tree and, and have it start raining about 7 a.m. And rain and rain and rain. Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> and I'm sitting next to my son, DJ, because he has a junior license, and, and he's right next to me with a gun, so I'm awake. <laughs> and DJ's looking all over the place for a deer. The deer, like, bedded down in the rain. They're not dumb enough to be walking around. But DJ's all over the place in the stand, up, down. I said, son, there is not a deer in the county that doesn't see you moving. You have got to sit still. And then about 9.30, I get a phone call from Lydia. Lydia says, Dad, Sola wants to move lunch from 1 o'clock back to noon because the food is all going to be ready. I'm like, no big deal. I'm in a tree. Don't bother me. But I'm thinking, that means Luann needs to be there an hour earlier. So I called Luann. I said, Luann, Sol is eating an hour earlier. And I know she's home making potatoes and everything else. And she's like, my goodness, I don't know, but I think I can get it ready. I'm like, well, there's one stress out of my life because Luann would have been late if it was 1 o'clock. <laughs> so this kind of snowballs a little bit. And so now Luann's going to make it on time, but... Hannah's picking Luann up from Horseheads. So Hannah needs to know she needs to be here an hour earlier. And, and, and Luann made it on time. It was amazing. We could praise God forever for that. But so we're eating early. So as we're sitting there, Sol has a friend there that, that brought a new kind of turkey. It's called a turductin. Is that right? A turductin. What it is, it's a turkey, a duck, and a chicken that comes all together in this turkey. 
And I think you order it from Idaho or something. You get, pot- you get potatoes from Idaho somewhere across the West. I'm thinking, this animal didn't even come from the state. It had to fly across on an airplane. I'm stressed on an airplane. How does a turkey feel? You know, being checked out for drugs and, and bombs and everything else. So this turkey's come in from another part of the country. And so John, we're sitting down. I'm looking at this turkey, turducken, looking at it and thinking, this isn't enough food to feed my family, let alone everybody that's here. And then on next to it was this big turkey. Thank you. And so this guy that brought this turducken starts saying, you know what, this turducken is like 50 bucks and another 50 bucks to have it shipped from Idaho or wherever it came from. And I'm thinking, we're going to have to take up a love offering to pay, to pay for this meal. And I didn't even bring any money. And so John, John, right before the meal, not even everyone's here yet, so says, we're eating at noon. And so he calls his, his father and his mother, because they thought it was one o'clock, but they told Solo they'd be there at noon, just probably in passing. And so they call him close to the time it's getting ready to eat. They're in Cuba, stopped and got coffee. <laughs> not Cuba, Cuba, but Cuba, New York. So we're thinking, they're, they're not going to make it on time. And so John starts giving the devotional, and Saul's thinking, well, by the time John's done his devotional on Thanksgiving, they may be here, right? You know, because John, John is going on here. And Saul's thinking, I can't keep the food warm forever, John, you know, just kind of move it along. And then after he does that, and after he prays, he comes over to this turducken and starts explaining it to us. It's like, be careful, because... There's turkey here, there's duck here, and there's chicken here. There's, there's going to be bones over here. I'm thinking, this is too much stress. <laughs> this is just way too much. It was a great meal, by the way. <laughs> we, we had a great Thanksgiving. And, and John's devotional was great. And, and it's because being thankful for the right things... Not just for all the things God gives us and blesses us with, but for the deep things of God. Just thankful for who God is, right? Just thankful for what he has done. And and John's known a lot of that in the past year. Think about the things we can be thankful for. Your elders, your deacons, your, your friends, your secretary, your job. You know, all the things that God has blessed us with. If you have problems with that, just, just start listing it out. What has God done? A fourth truth about this in the context, and we'll wrap this up here. It focuses on his promises. It focuses on his promises. That's what verses 15 through 17 uh, is all about in the text here. Just, just to review it. Remember his covenant forever. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations. The covenant which he made with Abraham. His oath with Isaac. It was confirmed with Jacob. There's something else that could be added to our thanksgiving cards. All the promises that God has made us. He keeps his promises. 
He's promised us a place with him in the future. I go to prepare a place for you, right? Amen. I'm coming again. I'm going to receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Thank God. This isn't it. This isn't the end. Better things are to come. Another thing that we see here in the context is it was concerned about others. It was concerned about others. Do you notice the strong emphasis in these verses about how thanksgiving is not a private matter? It has the potential to greatly impact those the Lord has placed around us. That's why it would be wrong for us and a person to say, well, I'm a thankful person, but I'm just thankful in a private way. In other words, I'm thankful, but it never really reaches my lips. That's not biblical thanksgiving. God wants us to be concerned about how this area of our lives potentially can be a blessing to other people. Verse 8, make known his deeds among the peoples. Verse 15, remember his covenant forever. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations. In other words, this area can even impact those who haven't even been born yet. A thousand generations from now, this psalm could be impacting people. Verse 24, tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among the peoples. 31 is a great summary of all this. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Our God reigns. And Frank, can I ask you this morning, honestly, how hard have you been working at the discipline of thanksgiving? Are you putting effort into this area of your life? Parents, does your performance in this area make it more likely that your children will grow up rejoicing in God and thanking Him? Or are they becoming bitter and critical and cynical because of us? Young people, how does your thanksgiving to God or lack thereof affect those around you? What about your coworkers? How does your thanksgiving or your lack of it affect those around you? You know, you say, well, Nathan, as, as we close this out, this passage is about the Old Testament tabernacle. David's bringing the Ark of the Covenant in front of the people of God in Jerusalem as a sign, as a symbol that, listen, worship is important to me. It's going to be important to you. You're going to be a thankful people because we have a lot to be thankful for. And we understand that these ideas would have continued in the Old Testament temple worship, but this is, this is New Testament times. We don't live under the Old Covenant. We live under a New Covenant. I just want to talk about the reassignment of thanksgiving. We all would agree that in 1 Chronicles 16, people were actually assigned to lead the nation in thanksgiving. That was a part of their job. Did you get that from the text? Everyone agreement with that? That's what they were hired to do. Whose job is it today? Now let me answer that with a question. Where is the temple today? Is the church here the temple? No. It's not. Where's the temple? 
What does the scripture tell us here in the New Testament? Every believer in Jesus Christ is the temple of the Holy Ghost, of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 19 and 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you've been bought with a price? Therefore, glorify God, what? In your body, which is his. Scripture tells that in the New Testament, under the age of grace, when a person admits their sin and trusts Jesus Christ as Savior as Lord, they become a temple of the Holy Spirit. You become a self-contained worship center. Isn't that something? Meaning, with all the potential of honoring God and glorifying God and thanking God wherever you are and wherever you go, and well then, we don't need to hire someone in the staff here to be a leader of thanksgiving. That's not one person's job. That's everybody's job. Amen? Amen. And the question before the house this morning is, how well... Are you doing your job? How well are you doing your job? And what steps would need to be taken in the days ahead and for you and for me to do our job better? At the end of the text it said, and all God's people said, Amen. And so be it. And if thanksgiving and worship doesn't light your fire as a believer, your spiritual wood is wet. But I'm thankful for Alfred Allman Bible Church because your worship seems real. Out of a flowing heart, the mouth is speaking praises and thanksgiving 